and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, who just recently finished an engagement at Parent Back to School Night. So how'd that go, dude? Yeah, well, you know, like I, I kind of skipped the back to school night that I, that the school that I teach at, so I could go to the back to school night at the uh, my children's school. Oh, so. very good, very good. Yeah, um, I, I knew you'd approve. I knew uh, having that room unoccupied during back to school night kind of like felt like return to normalcy here. You know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, yeah, I've had a lot of arguments. Uh, with people over the value of back to school night and especially the way we did it where you have the parents for each class for like four minutes five minutes tops and people were not exaggerating time wise it's just run them in run them out it's like well i can tell a lot by just looking at the teacher i'm like no you can't <laughs> so there's, i'll admit there's some things I, I get like going to back to school night you know i don't know i mean obviously you don't know the teacher or anything like that but you just get a sense of of the person a little bit, and I know. guess I don't know. So anyway, all right. Well, we'll leave that behind because we are going to continue to revisit season one of Dark and look at this intricate tale that we've spent oh quite a bit of time on, and there's still stuff to talk about. So yeah, that's certainly cool. Uh, we want to thank our Patreon supporters, and if you're interested in in becoming a supporter. Uh, you can go to the website, sci-fi-tv-rewatch.podbean.com, and there's a Patreon link on the right side of the page. You can go to patreon.com slash sci-fi-tv-rewatch if you'd like to do that. And if you go to the Patreon site, there's you know some explanation about the, you know, the little goodies that, that we give to our patrons. And if you've been a listener for a while, you know what those are. Um, so I uh, will leave it there. Uh, don't really have any news this week and the one change and and this is not forever but we're going to kind of segue from tip of the week to what we're watching and i was realizing that with the three w's we could do w cubed make t-shirts or something nice Uh, yeah so (laughs) but uh I'll, i'll go ahead and go first and I'm still watching The Magicians. I am in season three. I guess I'm about midway through season three, and I'm still loving it. I I just wish I had more time because there's several other things that I'm watching, and and I want to get to season four. Uh, You know, I'm loving it. You've seen through season three, right? Uh, So uh, through season four. Okay, you saw season four because I guess mm-hmm. season five, I don't know if it comes back in the fall or what, but I need to get uh, get my motor moving. I'm also still watching Ministry of Time, and I am at season three, episode 12. So I've got the penultimate and the series finale, maybe, because I know there is talk that there will be a season four, but you know, I I think Fred even pointed this out. There's so little information out there about some of the Spanish shows. And, Mm -hmm. you know, given that they're on Netflix, I find that just a little hard to understand, but there it is. Well, yeah, Netflix generally like gives a thumb up or thumb down pretty quickly after a show drops. Right. Yeah, but I, I'm just in terms of, you know, information about filming and when it's returning. And Netflix is, I don't know, they're okay about giving that information out. Usually it's the show itself. But the other show that I wanted to bring up, and I can't remember if we've ever talked about it. And I know as soon as I say it, you'll go, dude, how many times is Mad Men? You know what? I don't know if we've ever talked about Mad Men. Have you watched it? Oh, yeah. Okay, I thought I'd heard you say that. Yeah, and, you know, again, my wife and I had finished, I don't even remember what it was, and we're, you know how it is, you're scrolling through Mad Men, and geez, an hour later, you could have watched something, and you're still trying to figure out, well, anyway, she's like, well, let's let's give Mad Men a try. I'm like, all right, fine. I guess you don't want to see Dark Season (laughs) 2. So we're in the middle of the Season 1 finale, Okay, and I don't have to tell you, but I'm really loving it. it oh, it's such a, just a, a wonderful look at the '60s microcosm of you know the advertising industry, 
and yeah, you know, a lot of the social things that were going on, particularly with the way women were treated. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly don't think my father was like Don Draper or no. any of the other men in this show, but it's just what a wonderful example. If you could use it in the classroom, which of course you can't no of way. the anti-hero. Yeah. Because yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I mean, Don Don Draper is just he's just a perfect example. But uh, so those are the three main things that I'm watching at this point. What, what are you watching? I am actually watching uh, Carnival, Carnival Row. Okay. Um, yeah. Hey. So uh, you know, I took took your your uh, advice from last week and checked it out, and I just have the uh, the last episode to watch. Oh wow. Okay, that's great, and, so, and obviously you're liking it, or you wouldn't have kept going. It's it has been renewed for a season two already. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I was really hesitant at first because they're like all this fairies and magic stuff. I mean, I know that's kind of our wheelhouse. We watch that stuff all the time, but sometimes, especially recently, it seems like there's just a lot of that type of stuff out there. And I guess like. I don't know. I call it like the the once upon a time syndrome, or I guess I should say the once upon a time in Neverland syndrome. Not, I'm sorry, in Wonderland, where they just go like just too far. It gets too goofy, and there's like too many goofy creatures, and and the, and it really, you sacrifice the story to just have weird magic stuff happen all the time. Um, but certainly, Carnival Road, very human story, some really prescient type well not pressured but like topical i should say themes of like racism and immigration and things like that uh you know i I just i've started off a little bit shaky but uh really have been enjoying it and i'm gonna be sad to to be done with it probably but actually i might go back and watch it again because i just feel like uh there's things you miss you know cool all right good to hear i'm looking forward to getting back to it as soon as i get the chance All right, well, let's talk about Dark, and we're going to look at episodes 103 and 104 this week, 103 titled Past and Present. You know, I don't know about you, but I guess I didn't feel like there was that much in 103 that really struck me as, you know, some sort of a clue or a piece of foreshadowing. I mean, what'd you want to start off with, with 103? Yeah, there's some things that we see that are relevant but there's nothing like really big things like that are are relevant to layer but there's actually so i'm gonna start with this because this is like the one thing i noticed that says to me that kind of like screamed out i didn't really notice before i don't know if we commented on it but when we first see egon in his office on his desk there's an unsolved rubik's cube okay it's kind of like symbolic of his inability to solve mysteries and to solve puzzles, right? Okay. His inability to, you know, have that higher level of thinking skills to to go to to close a case, basically. Later, when Mickle is sitting at Egon's desk, he solves it. Okay. So I'm like, that is very interesting. So here's what I'm thinking, because I am still holding out the hope that the end, the last scene of this is Mikkel running into the arms of Ulrich and Katarina in 2019. Okay. That's my, now that might be, people say, oh, that's, that's your nice Hollywood ending there, Wayne. That's your nice American Hollywood ending. And, you know, but that's what I kind of might see happening. And so when I saw that, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe Mikkel is going to solve this. You know, maybe it's really Mikkel who's going to make everything right, I guess, okay. for, so to speak. Well, you know, it's funny because you you bring up Egon, and one of the things that strikes me on the rewatch, or, you know, I don't know, this is probably the fourth time I've seen this episode, is that maybe he's not as bad a police officer as we've made him out to be. You, you know, well, we get that. He is. Well, we get that scene at the station, and Mickle's brought in there, and the first thing he says is, What are you doing here? He, meaning teenage Ulrich, he won't be hurting you again. I can promise you that. And and I'm thinking, what are you doing here? As if it's more than just simply, why are you in my office? What are you doing in this timeline? 
And of course, at this point, he doesn't know about time travel. Of course, Ulrich will be hurting him again. And then Mikkel steals Egon's lighter. And I know we've brought that up before. And the only thing that strikes me about that is, and, and it sounds so silly to say it out loud, it's almost like stealing fire from the gods. But uh-huh. is there a significance in that lighter? I don't know that that there really ever has been. I mean, Mikkel uses it to light his way once he tries to go back to the caves. But you know, right. outs- outside of that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as a, it was a definitely a plot device so that when he runs away, he has something that he can light his way, light, you know, his way in the caves. But you do feel like there might be some kind of larger significance. I don't, have we seen that lighter again? That's one of the things that kind of put a pin in. I'm like, you know, oh, is that, I, I remember talking about when he stole the lighter back when we talked about it the first time, at least I think we did. Well, I mean, is it an example of Chekhov's gun? And that would be Anton, not Mr. You know, where if you're going to introduce something like that, it has to mean something at some point along the way. And stealing that lighter did seem to be significant at the time. And, And so far, I don't know that we've seen it other than, you know, the scene here where he uses it to light his way. So, Right. And there's there's loads of ways they could have, come up with a, a plot device for him to to have something that lights his way in, in the caves he could have you know stolen a um a flashlight from behind the nurse's desk or something so yeah i think there there is some significance to it just you know right now we don't know what that is oh he's from 2019 where the hell's his damn iphone good point so but but the other thing about egon we get that scene where he's with the coroner about the dead sheep and he even goes into the field in the middle of the night. And of course, that's when the birds fall out of the sky. So in terms of being a police officer, that seems to be really doing his job. I mean, when he meets with the coroner, he is interested. He does go out there in the middle of the night. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. I know what you're saying. Well, that Yeah, but, but his interest is only in trying to, to grouse up uh Ulrich. Yeah, good point. You know, he's asking about like Satanists, or could one guy, yes, Egon, one guy killed all 30 effing sheep. Yes, one guy, a 15 year old kid killed 30 sheep. That The criminal mastermind, Ulrich Nielsen. You know, but he just can't let it go. But it is, it's going to become even more significant later when Ulrich goes back to 1953, and it's the same thing, where Egon is so convinced. Of Ulrich's guilt, he he doesn't consider any other possibilities, right? And it's oh. not until 1987 that he finally you know cottons on, but then his daughter kills him pretty much yeah. right after that, yeah. you know. But th- but that's why he's not a good cop because he doesn't he he gets you know, you can't be a good investigator and be like and just hone in on one suspect and just and not open your mind to the possibility to the numerous possibilities that there could be. And he just right. makes up his mind right away. Ulrich is and in two different times and and actually at this point he's already dealt with Ulrich in the past. He's already got him locked up back there and so now there's this other kid well, of course he didn't know Ulrich's name back cuz he never gave his name up in the past but but here's that that same person, except younger, and he's doing the same thing to 33 years later. Yeah, ah, good point. Admittedly, though, Ulrich doesn't make it easy on himself. No, Still. but he's a kid. No, I, I mean, what were you like when you in were 1953? No, I mean in 1953. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So now, you, you know, we get that scene at the beginning with Mickle in 1986, and, and he goes in at the house. And at first, I was ready to criticize the fact that teenage Ulrich left the door, I don't want to say wide open, but how hard is it to close the door? But then we learned that that Yana actually left it open for Mads, but mm. she confronts Mikkel, and it's like she senses something's off that I think she even says, you don't belong here. And right. again, you know, you used the word prescient earlier, and it... it 
it almost had that kind of a feeling for me. Of course, we know that, yes, of course he doesn't belong there. Absolutely. That's just like a, a heartbreaking scene because Yana is just waiting. She, you know, she's so hoping that Mads will come back, that she has the door open. And, you know, ironically, her grandson walks through the door and says, Mama. And, you know, she immediately jumps up only to see it's some other kid. And you just, you're, you're just your heart aches for Yana. You know, she just... Yeah, sure. The, She's devastated. And, and, yeah, and, and I know we talked about this before. Just, I mean, that's like part of. There's all, of course, there's all this time travel, science fiction stuff about dark. But at its core, is this really, really human element of people dealing with grief, dealing with loss, and you know, while it is a neat science fiction time travel story, at its heart, it's really dealing with how people deal with these these devastating emotions. Right. And speaking of that, and, and I know we talked about it, but, but again, you know, I, I go back and look at my notes for the first time we covered these episodes. And I'm wondering why teenage Regina is acting the way she's acting towards her mother. I mean, I get that teenage girls and their mothers come to odds, uh, you know, on uh, a lot of occasions, but you'd think she could temper it a little bit. I mean, isn't she proud of what her mother's accomplished? And I don't know that we really ever get any answers along the way. So I guess we just have to assume that's what it is. Well, and, and you know, obviously it's notable. Regina now is notable because, you know, she's so different in season two. Right. After she meets Alexander, um, really, you know, he gives her like some of the, Good old much-needed confidence that she right. clearly doesn't have here. You know, one thing about, like, Regina and Peter, oh, my God, in the in episode four, all I can think of is, like, we know nothing or very little about them. Regina, we, we don't know who her father is, for example. And before, we would kind of blow that off. But now, after Charlotte, now we're like, okay, if we don't know someone's parentage, then – we really start to wonder, like, who is who is Regina's father? Who's Peter's mom? Well, my gosh, you after know? we find out the connection between Charlotte and Elizabeth, uh, all yeah. bets are off. Yeah, exactly, right? And, uh, and you know, why don't we see Peter in 1986? You know, these are some things that, like, that really – um, you know, it's those those blank spaces, you know, that negative space in the narrative that really has me wondering now, especially with the rewatch, you know, was something, of course, at this time, we still thought Peter was involved with killing the kid. So we really didn't like him. But now, obviously, I know that's not the truth. That's not the, his deal. But all I can do every time I see him, all I can wonder is. Where did he come from? And then he goes to, and Helge is his dad. And we're just like, who let Helge in there? You know, what woman gave him access to the Golden Palace? You know, like, I, I don't know. We don't know. And so then we really start to wonder about these things. Well, you know, Helge gives Claudia the copy of the book in, in this episode. Obviously, we know now the significance of the book, but in retrospect, He's already been time traveling at this point, right? Because he's yep. working for Noah. Right. So does he give her the book because of who she'll become? Does Noah instruct him to give her the book? Uh, again, we don't have those answers, but they're questions that you know we, we certainly he, couldn't anticipate. Is he pulling a move point. on Noah? Well, yeah, yeah. I, yeah you know, I, I, again – Helge is an old man, obviously is uh, not all there mentally. And, and I guess we wonder, is that a byproduct of all the time traveling he's done? I mean, we certainly see yeah. the apparent effects on Adam. So is it that or is it simply the, the recognition of what it is he's actually done over the years that True. that's really gotten to him? But, but even Helge as middle-aged who who gives the book to claudia in 1986 
I don't want to say he seems like a simple man, but he does seem like a simple man. Not not that he's not intelligent, not that he doesn't have all his faculties, but I wonder whether he has the wherewithal to pull off a coup, as you suggest. But well, not just like coup, so to speak. But is he kind of, in a way, trying to help because he's been infatuated with Claudius since he was a, a kid, right? Uh-huh. So is he in some way trying to like help her out? He gives her the book and he thinks because he knows that she will later on become a time traveler. You know? Right. Um, yeah. We do, his dad owns the, or in, is in charge of running the power plant, but his job is to, is basically as a custodian, right? He's cleaning up the, uh, the spray paint on the, on the parking lot. So yeah, we know, I mean, we, we saw him when he was young and he wasn't, the, the brightest bulb on the string back then. Uh, his mother was quite a piece of work and was not very loving to him. That probably had an impact. And then he gets his you know head bashed around a little bit by Ulrich, so that probably didn't help anything. So, you know, really, despite all he's done, you, know, you do, especially as watching it in, you know, kind of again here, uh, you know, feel some, you know, sympathy for, for Helga here. Now, you know, that scene where Mikkel enters the school and goes up to the group of girls in, in which Katarina is holding court and he says, I'm looking for my mother. She's the principal. And of course, we know that on the first watch. But now we really see that Hannah Katarina dynamic that it's already yeah. there, that mm-hmm. Katarina is several years older than Hannah and is so mean that even some of the other older girls you know mentioned to katarina is like you know dude be nice and yeah you know i don't believe it's that she senses that hannah has a crush on ulrich at that point i think she's just a mean girl yeah she's she's the meanest of mean girls she's yeah she's right up there she's Probably wears pink on Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, we've talked about the 33 dead sheep. And, of course, we know the 33-year cycle. In retrospect, again, okay, 33 dead sheep, really. But we know the sheep and the birds, and it's related to whatever these sonic rumblings are that are precipitated by somebody time-traveling. Why does it not affect anything else? It doesn't affect people. It doesn't affect any other animals. That seems no, a birds. little odd. Well, I was saying birds and the sheep. Right, okay, Why right, not right, the right. cows? Do they not have cows yeah. in Winden? Maybe not. But Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, they, they sent all the cows to France. <laughs> right. Um, does Burn Doppler know about the time travel aspect of the plant or is this something that's still relatively new i mean he talks about claudia's responsibilities for the plant in the town and and she certainly understands there's some hidden meaning in these figures that have been doctored she just doesn't right know what it is i mean we understand the importance of the power plant at this at this point but um I, I'm not sure I have a well, handle on burned at this point. Yeah. Oh no. And, and the whole nuclear waste being, you know, kind of, I, we guess, illegally stored away. Um, and then they, you know, I, I, I get that one of those barrels has the dark matter in it, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I think, but, I, as far as I know, so, I mean. So is the rest like some kind of big? Like red herring, because we yeah you know, we think that you know they they move they they load all the barrels into a truck and they move it and the truck is like sitting out by Bernadette's trailer for a while. Um, well, didn't know, they I, have a plan for it in the first place? I mean, you have a power plant, you know, you're going to have waste. Why the secrecy? Why why do you have to yeah. bury it? Right, exactly. So I mean, that's just something like as I think about, it, I I remember being confused. I don't. I don't know if I talked about it because I think I just didn't really get what was going. So I'm going to kind of like, kind of like that, the, the three card Monty, right? I'm going to keep my eyes on the nuclear waste and try to figure out what's going on with it because there, there's something definitely significant about that. 
Well, and outside, I mean, we know, you know what happens in 2020, but I just feel like, I, I don't know. That's just something I keep my eyes on because I don't really remember enough about it. I can't remember exactly the, the full significance of it. Okay. Well, the other thing, and I know it's not important, but it still bothers me. I know it bothered me at the time. As we watch Claudia climb down the rope into the cave, <laughs> no gloves. Right. And what? She's going to pull herself back up? Really? Yeah, she's still got her pumps on, too, you know? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we'll let that go. Um, that great scene, and we've talked about the bus stop that seems to be in the middle of nowhere as, as this focal point that returns time and time again. And we see Hannah and Ulrich there, te- you know, teenage Ulrich and, and Hannah. And they're talking, they see the lights flashing because somebody's time traveling. At that point, Mickel's already there, so it's not him. Perhaps it's Helge. I don't think we really know at that point, but her reaction, is this the apocalypse? Again, I, I love it. And he tells us that, that line that we certainly talked about, he'd wish for a world without Winden, and she says Winden won't give up that easily. Eh, maybe next time he counters. And of course, we're thinking like, yeah, in 33 years, we'll try again. Mm-hmm. But but just that you know, you know, acknowledgement, is this the apocalypse? And we're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, that's a line that we don't really get the full significance of that the first time through. Um, well, the first three times through, we watched just season right. one. But after season two, then, uh, yeah, that, that takes on a a lot more meaning, a lot more significance. Now, 2019 Ulrich is in the caves at the same time Mikkel is in 1986. And again, I know we talked about it at the time that there seems to be a bleed through, that it, it appears that Ulrich hears Mikkel's cries for help and that Mikkel hears him banging. And I don't know that we've necessarily had any evidence to the contrary that that didn't actually happen. But Having watched season two and seen Ulrich in various stages, particularly in 1953, this is where, for me, the fact that he's really becoming unhinged really Mm -hmm. hits home. And I understand that your child is missing. I understand that this comes, I don't want to say on the heels of, because it's been 33 years, but that you lost your brother in a similar manner so i get that but you're also a police officer you've seen a lot you've experienced a lot you can't just totally ignore all the protocols that are in place and yet that's what he does and then he's surprised when things don't work out but you know for for this that that really hits me and well yeah this is absolutely you're right uh his you know dangerous level of obsession on full view here and it's that's his complete downfall right his inability to step back and really to kind of act rationally but instead always kind of plowing through life you know his relationship with hannah he just obviously didn't think that through at all he has no concept he thinks it's just fun right for him it's just a dalliance, it's just sex. There's no really emotional involvement. But she tells him that she loves him. And he's just like, ah, okay, well, you're beautiful. See ya, bye-bye. He's just a guy who really doesn't think it through. Right. You know, and that's time and time again what, what gets him in trouble. And then we also get the first look at Tan House working on the device. And, and of course, it this point we don't necessarily understand what it is though i think we certainly are speculating at the time so that takes us into 104 double hold on one more thing okay sure uh when the um the coroner is examining the sheep with egon the uh the song in the background is abc's look of love oh yeah i did notice that dude that yeah (laughs) yeah that's a pretty good song Uh, Now, one of the first things in 104 that really strikes me, that box from which Charlotte retrieves the camera footage, 
looks like the the box that adult Elizabeth has in 2052. I know it's a standard ammunition box and they're probably all over the place, but, but it, it, it did strike me that way. Sure. Teenage Jonas enters the cave as the stranger looks on from the forest. And of course, at this point, we don't know who the stranger is. And he see, looks at his watch as if he knows what time his younger self is going to enter. Well, sure he does. Yeah, right, right, right. But of course, at the time, it didn't mean anything. And, and right. then Jonas comes to a dead end. So did his future self already close you know, the cave at, at that point? Um, I wasn't sure no, about that. No, because he's going to get through. Okay, that's what I thought. So I wasn't sure. Maybe he just went down the wrong the wrong tunnel. Yeah, yeah but, I think he's just exploring it right now. Okay, but then he gets out of the cave and, and he finds that bike on the side of the road with the red string. And, and of course, we well, I, eventually- I think we had this discussion before. I'm pretty sure it's his bike. Uh, okay, it's his bike. But he looks at that red string as if yeah. he's never seen it before. And, of course, we end up tying it into the Ariadne story that, that mm-hmm. happens later. But um, I'm still a little unsure. I, I feel like there's more meaning there that I'm just not getting. And, you know, you can't address everything. I, I'm, I'm covering Killjoys for den of geek and, and certainly killjoys is not as deep and intricate as no. dark but it's as fun, we head into the series finale you realize there's just so many little story arcs that they're just not going to get addressed and that's just oh, the is there only one more left yeah yep oh, well wow. two more two more but that's because i've oh, already okay. seen the penultimate now We've talked a lot in season two about Magnus and his relationship with Francesca. And I think most of us like that relationship. And we see the early stages here. He barges into her lit class. And I think you even mentioned, you know, when we talked about it initially, what the hell is that teacher? You know, Magnus, this isn't your class. And Magnus just, yeah, F you, sits down. (laughs) And then next thing you know, the, Francesca the just keeps droning on. Exactly. And she gets up, goes to the bathroom or wherever, and he just gets up and walks out and follows her. So at first I'm thinking, why does she leave the class? Does he know he'll follow her? Does she want him to follow her? We've already established she's a very serious student and very smart. And given the content of this lecture, uh, you know, I think one thing that, that both of us have realized teaching these high-level kids is they understand what it means to miss a class. And mm-hmm. that given their druthers, it's just easier to go to class than try to get notes from somebody and, and things like that. So, again, we know it's maybe none of the above because she goes to the railroad tracks, check on the envelope, which we know is the transaction she's got going with Benny now, but I I guess I'm still a little fuzzy how the Magnus relationship at this point is working out, you know? Well, he's infatuated. Well, yeah, sure. With her. Um, And he stalks her a lot through both seasons. Um, Here's the, I don't even know if this is the first time he's done it, but half of him is like this little junior Scooby-Doo detective who suspects everyone of having something to do with Mikkel's disappearance. On the other hand, it's just, you know, this girl is just really good looking and she really does it for me. So I think the best way for me to get her attention is to stalk her. Right. So, yeah. so her getting up and leaving in the middle of the class, that was going to happen whether or not magnus shows up in class because she had to go make the transaction at the railroad tracks i guess i guess or does she know he's going to follow her and that she digs the fact that he's stalking her because clearly you know once he starts uh watching her in that dance class and then heads into the locker room which conveniently none of the other girls need at that point 
which uh, obviously you and I uh, understand that, uh, you know, we have a locker room at the school, but apparently the athletes use the parking lot as their locker room and think right. nothing of disrobing and getting dressed for practice in the parking lot. But uh, that's another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but we've talked about the woods last week and she's walking through the woods alone and you know i i guess as a plot device that's why they have characters doing it but didn't your parents talk to you about walking in the woods alone i mean i know it's daytime but but still yeah well especially with the you know rash of disappearances um you would think and you know the dead body popping up right but you know they have their first kiss and their first encounter and i'm making air quotes which <laughs> also kind of struck me as a precursor to the ulrich katarina sex scene in the storeroom which then hannah uses to her advantage to get ulrich arrested for raping katarina but i guess the other thing that comes out in this episode that i think in retrospect has a lot more meaning is the the dysfunction in the doppler family and and that while charlotte and peter are really struggling to you know keep their marriage together it's clearly affecting the kids as well now we don't necessarily hear from elizabeth how it's affecting her but i don't know that stealing her older sister's lipstick can be considered you know uh you know a cry for attention, if you will, you know? No, I, I think that's just, I think there was mostly for com- comedy, you know? Yeah, uh, sure. As, as far as, as far as comedy goes in, in, in dark, um, because, you know, like she's like, you, I know you, you know, cause like, you know, you think she's a little girl and she's deaf. So maybe we pity her a little bit. So we say, Oh, you know, all oh, this, this poor, beautiful child never do such a thing. And she totally did, you know, uh, then which also the punchline comes with Francisca, who is, you know, out of her mind with worry and so happy to see her sister again. And then looks and sees she has the ma- her, the lipstick on and slaps her and tells her to stop stealing her stuff. <laughs> right. And even before that, because, you know, we've got that scene with little Elizabeth and Yasin as she's waiting for her mom. And, and I forgot that Yasin's deaf, too. And, and of course, that raises the question, why do they take Yasin? Uh, was he just a convenient boy to take? But the fact that she has her sister's lipstick, it, it just really struck me that this is a far cry from the battle-hardened woman that we yeah. see in 2052. Absolutely. And this I found fascinating because Ellie tells Charlotte that Yes, it's her boyfriend. She's very kind of cavalier about it. You know, he's like, oh, he's my boyfriend now and everything. And and Charlotte's kind of like in disbelief. And then um, Ellie takes Charlotte's head in both her hands and she kisses her on the forehead. Yes. And that's not necessarily something a child does to a parent. That's something a parent does to a child. Yes. Of course, and- that's exactly what's happening, right? Yes. Oh. That that really just gives me goosebumps to think about that. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, that scene. And, and of course, the hat that I think is becomes rather ubiquitous, especially as sure. uh, a young girl. And then it's one it's among the contents of the case in the future. But yeah. And, and then Charlotte, what prompts her to go down into the Doppler bunker? Well, she's right? she's a. Uh she's she she thinks peter's involved okay but because she gets his license plate on that camera okay but why the bunker i mean once she gets out there she notices the circle of dirt that looks like it's you know you know out of place which uh, of course it is but again the bunker doesn't really mean much to us at this point and having seen season two of course it, it's extremely important um sure you know we we're talking about ulrich and and just the fact that he's just descending 
you know, into this state. I don't want to say madness because that's, that's overstating it. But we see he's been detained at the power plant because he climbed over the fence. And one of the first things I noticed when he's standing outside the fence and you know what he's contemplating, there are cameras all over the place. Yeah. We've already yeah. seen guys with Uzis or whatever kind of automatic rifles they have. Yeah. What the hell is he thinking? It's like he's not thinking. And right. he's apparently resisted because he's beaten and bloodied. So yep. I, I just don't know. I mean, this the first uncooperative. Of bloody noses he's going to get. Yeah. I mean, right. Foreshadowing of his 1953 experience. And then he just mm-hmm. gets out of the car in the pouring rain. And I, I love the fact that Charlotte's like, you know, whatever, get out. Yeah. I'm in the car. I'm dry. I don't know. And, and then uh, <laughs> we, we've talked about, I want to go back to calling him patchy uh, Woller. <laughs> I don't think we've ever found out what the deal with his eye is. And I think I read no. an interview that Baron Bo Odar addressed it very circumspectly like you might find out you might not <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh i and in one respect i i love that and and i love the fact right. that he addressed it like that right and, and but you know in this show it's still like always the things that you don't know and you don't see that you feel like are gonna be significant you know like we didn't know anything about charlotte's parents at all right and when we did find out it was huge like i said we don't know peter's mom uh we don't know regina's father so all of these things especially with time travel in play and we see a daughter who's actually mother to her own mother (laughs) i mean it's just bananas you know yeah it's completely crackerjack Right. And, and so really anyone, it could be anything or anyone will, you know, he, actually I even like, I got so crazy spinning. I'm like, is like Peter some kind of alt universe mads? Well, exactly. Because now that we know there is an alternate universe and that individuals can travel from that universe into this one, well, the possibilities are endless. Yeah for who these people are. So absolutely. um, And I got to believe that's going to be addressed in season three with the missing parentage of the people you just brought up. So Elizabeth arrives home and she shows the watch that Noah gave her. And then of course the question, who is Noah? And it's got the engraving on it for Charlotte. And I think at this point now, having seen season two and and processed everything, is the watch sort of like the time device? Are there there two watches, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, one beaten up and one pristine somewhere? Because... Did we see a beaten up one? I I don't think we have yet, but I mean, Charlotte got the watch... I guess originally from Tanhouse, right? I mean, I, I think uh, no. She, it, I think this is the the first time she's ever seen. See, that's the thing when we when we watched this at first, we were like, "Oh, when did she get the watch? Who, who you know, where the watch come from?" But I don't think she's never seen that watch. This is right, the first time we, she's seen the watch. But don't we see him working on it in his shop? Mm, that's, what I, that's a good question. Okay, I can't remember. I don't know. And, and, and does it just somehow get into the loop and then? Uh, well, I think it's something that, that Noah, obviously Noah has it, right? Because yeah. it belongs to his daughter. Right. And so right. he gives it to his future mother of his daughter to give to his daughter. Right. Which is just trippy as all get out. And I guess if anything, what really gets driven home in episode 104 is the idea of the time loop. The end is the beginning. The beginning is the end. Again, I've, I've, I think, come over to your way of thinking that I'm not crazy that they do so much with voiceovers, but 
I guess they kind of keep it in check, and and that's certainly uh, how that comes across. But now, almost halfway through season one, that idea of the time loop is out there, and so many of these other things we're not even considering that Charlotte is Elizabeth's daughter and mother, and uh, yeah. go from there. But but how, how do you else? even how do you even speculate on that? You know, oh, you can't. You can't. It's just so crazy. Yeah. Um, what else from episode 104? Oh, so there's that scene with Hannah and Jonas. And Hannah's like, hey, you know, maybe we could do something. He just kind of looks at her like, are you freaking crazy? <laughs> um, and I can totally sympathize with that. It's a parent who's when your your kids get to a certain age and, and you know, you, you can only think back kind of sentimentally about those days that they used to want to hang out with you and want you to come play because now whenever you're like hey do you want to go play they're like nah (laughs) you know yeah and and i i wondered about that as well look anytime a parent suggests to the child especially one that's in high school that you cut school for whatever reason but yeah i mean i i think i i can't see First of all, I can't see my mother ever saying that to me. But then again, no. <laughs> she lost her husband in arguably right. the worst possible manner. I, I mean, yes. I guess that's I guess debatable, but that's that's certainly a pretty bad way to to lose someone. I would say someone that you love, but I'm not convinced she ever really loved him. But true, still. But uh, yeah, um, and again, I, I'm not sure having seen season two how much meaning that scene actually has other than you know the the fact that that jonas will certainly come to learn the reality of who his father was and why he did what he did and and again we could even argue would michael have killed himself had it not been for jonas well, and, he wouldn't have. Yeah, right. That's, J- yeah. Jonas is the one who comes back and basically convinces him that he has to kill himself. Right. Uh, okay, anything else? Yeah, they uh, they need to turn up the heat in the police station because everyone is walking around there with their winter coats on. Okay. <laughs> like you Charlotte know, goes into her office. Usually the first thing you do when you go in your office, you take your coat off, but she doesn't. She sits down with her coat. Then Wolers comes in, and he's wearing his winter coat. Okay, so. and, and we never really get a sense for what time of year. I mean, I guess when season one begins, it's probably September ish. Like because well, but schools just start. Oh, all right, schools start. Right, 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 right. Then we'd have to go back and look up lot latitudes and longitudes and average temperatures <laughs> and all that stuff. No, nah, we're, we're not going that far. Okay, um, um, Jonas. Uh, breaks into his own room as he is sleeping to alter the map. Oh, right. right. That, you know, I don't, why did I not catch that? I don't know. You know, and, and that's the other thing that does strike me as I, I go back and watch it again, how many scenes take place in Jonas's bedroom at, at yeah. the house. A and, lot. Yeah, a lot, whether it's with the stranger or with, teenage jonas or uh, you know whatever version of teenage jonas i think we get both both versions so yeah um i think that's about what i got I think. okay all right well let's hear fred's response this oh, whoa, weekend whoa, whoa, one more thing one more thing, one more thing. sorry in the beginning we see the guy with a triskillian tattoo on his back right okay and i think we just assumed that that was noah uh, when we first did this, but now we saw, isn't it the guy that Noah kills who has that tattoo on his back? Yeah. You mean Bartosh? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that looks like Bartosh. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who obviously could very well be Bartosh. Bartosh the guy is, formally referred to as Bartosh. Yeah. Old Bartosh is not in Adam's basement in, uh, you know, with the sick Mundus crew. Right. Right. So I'd say it's highly likely. All right, cool. All right, well, let's hear what Fred's got to say this week. 
Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for The Dark Rewatch, Season 1, Episodes 3 and 4. First off, I want to come back to some topics of last week. I think it was amazing that, indeed, this whole thing about the calendars was wrong. And that it was a continuity error and not already an indication in Season 2, Episode 1, that there was an alternative universe, an alternative world. And we all thought that because the differences in the calendars. If you now indeed look at Netflix, you see that they put it in. I put a comparison picture of before and after the change on the Facebook page. So the calendar that Hannah sees and she makes a cross on the 21st of June. That same cross is now still there when Adam puts his circle on the 27th. And also when Jonas walks into his old home in 2053. And now... The focus is somewhere else. The focus was on that this cross was missing. Now it becomes clear what the point was of Jonas walking towards this calendar. With his hand glove he goes over this calendar and stops at the circle that Adam made. And of course that's thinking back to the day Adam killed Martha and then put that circle on the 27th. That is now the most important thing. And there are still some minor continuity errors because the circle that Adam puts there is slightly different from the one that's there when Jonas looks at it at 2053 and also when Hannah puts her cross there. So that's a different circle. And there is still another small continuity error. When you look at the calendar when Hannah put her cross there and then she walks away and you see in the back of her you see the calendar and if you enlarge that it's not the same as she just put a cross on. And the same is true when Adam puts his circle. When he turns his back to the calendar and walks away and you enlarge then the calendar that is behind him. The circle almost became a diamond instead of a nice circle. I would have expected more from the makers of Dark in this regard. Well, it speaks for them that they did change it in the Netflix episode now. And I really wonder if your Facebook page and my analysis was a contribution to that. Okay, really, really enough about this calendar. I spent hours and hours actually on these different calendars, making screenshots, comparing them, etc, etc. It's been enough now. And the conclusion is, they should not have differed. This afterwards correction makes that actually clear. But, okay, whatever. It's clear now. It's clear that it's meant to be exactly the same. In all three cases. Furthermore, Wayne was uh, saying last week that he thought that Tronta Nielsen, so the old version of Tronta Nielsen, was not in season two. There's certainly season two. I don't even know if he's in season two. I think there might be... A scene with young kid Tronte maybe one time. But we definitely don't see him middle-aged. I don't think we see him at all as an old man. Almost right. He was at the anniversary party of Katarina and Ulrich. And he promised even Magnus that they would buy him a driver's license. Second thing is that Wayne, when he discussed the picture wall, he said we never saw the young Ines. Um, then Ines, three pictures, one of her as a young girl, we assume. We haven't seen her as a young girl yet. Well, we surely did. In episode eight of this season, so we will get there. And also in nine, by the way. But in eight, young Ines visits together with young Jana. A.T. Tannhaus is a shop and had to collect there, I believe, a watch for her father or something like that. Wayne gave an advice to put a spoiler alert at the beginning of the podcast... In post-production, you should include a message at the beginning that this is just completely spoiler full. There's no, there's no not spoilers in, in, in this. And, and also some spoilers for Fringe, too, you might want to throw in there as well. Well, you know, Fringe, that's been off the air for close to 10 years, so we'll see. Well, that's one of the reasons, guys, why I listen to your podcast. Just watching all series I didn't get to. So I didn't watch Fringe yet. It's on my list, but not a single minute. Only trailers I've seen. 
funny thing was that you did exactly the same as I did. So I had 10 minutes of feedback and the first nine were about episode one. So especially since like, you know, we were still talking about episode one and we were like 40 minutes in and like, oh, <laughs> we should move to episode two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what you get when you talk with Dar. And you were worried that there was not enough to talk about because we did a proper thorough analysis when season one was aired. Well, <laughs> really, really not. One question of last week left. I wondered of whom the second grave was. Jana went to Matt's grave and exchanged the action figures there. And I wondered of whom the second grave would be. What is your idea about that? Okay, going into episode 3. In the beginning of the episode, a colleague of Ines in the hospital asks her whether she can take over the night shift because the daughter of another colleague has a fever and she has to bring Benny to soccer. Two remarks about this. Is this Agent Buller and Benny's mother, this nurse? And she has to go to soccer with Benny. What time does Benny play soccer? In the middle of the night? If Ines has to take over the night shift? Uh. The best discussion was the discussion between Hannah and Ulrich in the bus stop. Now I realized that in episode 6 of season 2, when they are outside in the garden at Ulrich's and Katharina's party, Hannah and Ulrich are sitting there on the swings. This is exactly the same discussion, just the other way around. That's also why in season 2, episode 6, Hannah is laughing. And when I saw episode 6 of season 2, I didn't realize that it was exactly the same as, as this in season 1, episode 3. But now I saw it again. It's, it's very funny. That it's just the reversed and exactly the same discussion 34 years later. I did compare the texts that young Hannah says and then older Ulrich says and the other way around. And, well, of course, in the English version there is much more difference between the two texts than in German. So in German they remembered better what they said 34 years ago than in English. On the Facebook page, you can read the differences. 1986. Is this the apocalypse? Mm. A bit disappointing, isn't it? I thought it would be a lot brighter and louder. If the world came to an end tonight and everything started anew, what would you wish for? That's easy. A world without wind in. And now... 2020. Is this the apocalypse then? It's a bit disappointing. I thought it would be louder than this. Gaudier. <laughs> if the world ended tomorrow and everything started over, what would you wish for? A world without wind in. Now I understand why there was so much laughter, why it was so funny between Ulrich and Hannah, because they were repeating their discussion of 34 years ago. Did you notice this when you first saw season 2, episode 6, that it was referring back to season 1, episode 3? I didn't. Okay, that was it about episode 3. And about episode 4, I don't have so many questions or discoveries. Actually, everything is clear there. Of course, when we watched it the first time, we were very worried about Elizabeth and who this strange Noah is. And, and a big threat, probably. But now we know it's actually her husband and for Charlotte, her father. So, no threats there. So, the scene where Elizabeth is coming back from her walk home and Charlotte asks, who is Noah? That's a very striking moment when you know the rest of the story. Okay, that was all for this time. Greets, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, um, it, it would be nice, I think. You know, I'm not sure how he would feel about 
the producers of the show listening to our podcast, reading our posts in the Facebook group. I guess on the one hand, that would be pretty cool. And and Fred is, of course, referring to the fact that they changed the calendar. Uh, I, I got to believe, though, they're, they're scouring social media to a certain extent. You know, whether they're listening to our podcast is, you know, obviously debatable. But well, I think they, it's... They should cl- be. But, they yeah. should be. But but I think it's clear <laughs> that it was brought to their attention somehow. Look, I, I mean, you, you've got hundreds of people working on dark. I'm sure a lot of them are reading social media, going to forums, checking out the Reddit page. One of them came to Baron Bo Odar. It's like, dude, you know, you messed up on the calendar. <laughs> and why not fix it this is not the first show i think they fixed the cup and the water bottle on game of thrones if i'm not mistaken yeah okay so you know why not uh, yeah it's so easy to do why not but uh you know other than that anything that you want to bring up i think a lot of what fred mentioned that we we definitely talked about i i I like uh oh that's cool i like the the um how he mentions, uh, you know, when we see uh, older Tronte in season two and young Ines in season one. Oh, it, right, it catches right. there, Fred. Yeah, because we don't really know for sure. I don't think. See, I can't remember the, the young Ines. That that's at Tan House's shop, I believe. It, it, yes, I believe that's the yep. case, and I don't uh-huh. remember whether they say her name or not in that scene. I, I, I can't remember that, but, but yeah, good catch, Fred. Absolutely. Oh, and, and the, uh, the nurse thing, she's got to bring Benny to soccer. So yeah, oh, is that oh. nurse? Well, you know, and, and, and mom. well, and, and well, yeah, but I guess what Fred's, well, again, I don't want to, you know, I was going to say, I think what Fred's point is, um, and maybe I misread it, but that it's the middle of the night. You know, what do you mean you're taking them to soccer? Well, this is 1986, so I can't remember what it was like here in the States. Certainly now in 2019, practicing in the nighttime would be nothing. I mean, I don't know. You know, I I know when I lived in Columbia, I, I know there were teams that were ice hockey teams that their rink time was midnight to 2 a.m. Sure. Because because rink time was so difficult to get. And we have all these indoor soccer facilities, which whether they were there in Germany in 86, I don't know, but I got to believe they're there now. So could it be that? Or is it really what you just kind of said that, oh, is she Wohler's mom? Which, yeah, yeah could be that that maybe is even more important than the fact that there's no practice in the middle of the night. All right. Anything yeah. else? Uh, well, no, also the, the kind of, you know, he pulled out the uh, Hannah and Ulrich talking in 2020, uh, having basically the same conversation I had in 1986. Uh, I did not catch that Fred. So good, good, good work with that. Yep. Yep. All right, Fred, thank you for taking the time to send us that stuff as always. And, you know, again, it's a lot of fun going back. I mean, there, there, there's a lot that it's fun going back and, and looking at once again. And glad we decided to do that. But let's go ahead and leave it there. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dark and our revisit with it. Anything going on in genre TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. Uh, if you want to send us an email, the address is sci-fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. You can send us a voicemail using the SpeakPipe tab, which you can get to the website. And we'll be back next week to discuss Season 1, Episodes 5 and 6 of Dark. But until then... You know, as Claudia says, the future belongs to the bold, not to the doubters stuck in the past.